You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your premier podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, are Charles. Hey, and Jim. Exigence. I mean, how's it going? <laughs> how's it going, guys? You know, that's a strange word you say there, Jim, but uh, but yeah, that's what we're all about today. This This episode, we're just going to be... Given our deep dive into the first five chapters of Exigence that have been released, and this is a this is a good time. And and you know, it just it struck me this morning thinking about all this is like we started the deliberative back during the Kickstarter of the Dragon Blooded book. Yes. That was when we began wow. this journey. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and that was fun. Although, you know, we were kind of new to the whole thing. You know, we, we were coming up with topics to talk about. I don't think, I'm, I'm not sure we did a big, like deep dive into the manuscript releases of dragon blood. Uh, in fact, I remember saying at the time, I don't even want to read this in the, in the black and white (laughs) manuscript. I'm just going to, I'm going to wait until the PDF comes out, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it, but yeah, that's where we began. So it's just kind of weird thinking about, you know, now here we are in the Exigence, which by the way, Exigence is live now on Indiegogo, not Kickstarter this time around. They are on Indiegogo. If you're a listener to this show, if you care anything about Exalted, I know you already know that, but just in case uh, some alien picks up this show in the deep distant future and is like trying to learn about Earth, there once were two crowdfunding sites. And this is on the other one. Anyway, so Exigence <laughs> live on Indiegogo. And uh, as that thing went live, I was trying so desperately to be the number one, like the very first supporter on there. But I had this I had this weird moment where I really wanted to put it on this one credit card. And, and then like it was like offering me the Apple Pay option which I knew was like much quicker, like the checkout was much quicker. <laughs> but, but I was like, but I really wanted to put it on this other card. And I was like, well, crap, can I Apple pay it with that other card? And then I realized, no, that's the one card I didn't put in my oh, Apple so Pay sad. wallet. Mm. Yeah. And so I, like that, those, those like precious Tim Cook judges couple, you. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> But those those precious couple of moments of indecision cost me the number one spot, and I ended up number four. So number four, number four. I know. Which, by the way, was the the number that was I was fourth in my graduating class of high school. Also, so Corey, this is funny because (laughs) I was I was actually sitting in a meeting at work, and uh, my phone, you know, it does its little alert, and I look down, and you were like. Hey guys, I'm number four, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, crap, I forgot about the freaking Kickstarter. And I'm like sitting in the middle of a meeting and I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I did it too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to have to say crowdfunding from now on because I never know where we're at. But uh, so I I, kind of slide my laptop so no one else can see it in the middle of the meeting. And I'm like, you know, Indiegogo.com, da, 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 you know, and I'm, 
sitting there and, and they're like, so what do you think about this? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, that sounds good. And I'm like, 125 <laughs> sounds good. Let's go there. So uh, I was number 411. So, Ooh. Wow. Which is information if you're in the, That's in right. the States. You got the, you got the 411. I got the 411. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, well, I think they're up to... 1800 or something i i looked a little earlier but i didn't look at how many uh backers that they had but yeah this is uh this is a fun time whenever they do one of these things like this we get the manuscript being released to us a bit at a time get to go through it you know comb through this was the first time i've ever been in a crowdfunding project where i actually put money in before the goal was reached i think we were at uh like Sixteen thousand, twenty thousand range when I got in, and oh, I was right. like, yeah. "I'm one of the early guys. I didn't mm-hmm. wait until we hit the the thing for the guarantee." <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And and it and by the way, just by uh, mentioning the statistics of this thing, it did fully fund in forty minutes, which is uh, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, of course, you know, it's always it's always weird to me that they set they set a goal like as low as they do i mean i guess that's you know that's good or whatever but you know you you have all these statistics like oh it's 300 and something percent funded and it funded in this much time but like yeah but if you if you set the if you set the goal at 100 bucks it would have funded in the first five seconds and then you would be at like you know twenty thousand times your goal (laughs) by now so like (laughs) so it's just it seems sort of arbitrary they set these goals like thirty five thousand. i don't know you know like if like what that actually means within the company if they're looking for that certain amount just to make sure they can cover the cost of getting the deluxe done i'm sure it's something like that but anyway just kind of just kind of neither here nor there but yeah it's uh it's i don't i, I was about to say it's doing pretty well just because it is like up over 300 percent uh funded uh you got 20 point. days left and we're at yeah and we do yeah we do have now. 20 days left but it, it has kind of it's it's sort of plateaued a little bit, you know. I mean, we've been we've been bumping up against this hundred and fifteen thousand dollars stretch goal now for uh, for a little while, for a few days. Uh, which, by the way, let, let's just go ahead and go through. We we've currently unlocked seven stretch goals for the campaign. We are very very close, like within like a hundred dollars of hitting the eighth stretch goal. Uh, looks like as this is coming together, there's going to be a companion volume to the Exigence book that will be called something like Miracles of Divine Flame. Great name, by the way. <laughs> you like that one? No, I was, uh, I, I, I was allowing, I was giving you an opening to say your business. You didn't hear his sarcasm voice? Yeah. <laughs> Well, but here's the thing: it is a good name. Miracles uh, yeah, actually, I do think "Miracles of Divine Flame" is a neat name for a what about supplemental the spark book. of the divine flame? I think they need the word "spark" in there. Yeah, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, but I, and the reason why is because we already have a product that begins with miracles, and it's it's the miracles of the solar exalted, and it was the little companion volume that was released after the the core book Kickstarter. But and, you know, in keeping with that, doesn't this maybe the maybe the naming convention is always going to be like miracles is the extra overflow charm stuff because that's what miracles was more or less right. right? It was like charms and artifacts. 
We have yeah, no dragon-blooded and lunar image. miracles. Well, that's yeah, true. I mean, but see, what they did with Dragon Blood is they put it into heirs to the Shogunate, and they put all the overflow charms and stuff into there, and then mm-hmm. with uh, the Lunar's book, it was Many Faced Strangers. Now, Which may- we're still maybe waiting this- on. Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, very <laughs> much, uh, you know, waiting. Want it very badly. But, uh, oh, yeah, I've but, got I mean, like almost 12 experience in the hopper. I need some more charms <laughs> to look at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I mean, maybe it won't be called Miracles of Divine Flame. I mean, maybe that's just simply what they're calling that, the like, stretch first goal. stretch goal or whatever. But usually, usually they kind of, you know, mention the title in there somewhere. And it seems like that may be a likely title. I don't know. But uh, but so far of these stretch goals, we've got this these uh, miracles of the divine flame, which is uh, some extra charms for the four exalt types that are in the book, which would be straw maiden Janist, the puppeteer, the architects, and the sovereigns. And so there will be more charms for those four main types. We're also getting a jump start. So this is the second exalted third edition jumpstart first one being uh return to the tomb of dreams or tomb of dreams maybe it's just called tomb of dreams not return return was second edition right return to the tomb of five corners so yeah third edition has tomb of dreams and then this would be the second third edition quick start which i think is is interesting and it brings up an interesting point like what if they what if they start doing this from now on including a jumpstart as one of the one of the stretch goals so when we go into Siderials, will we see a, a heaven-based quick start? That could be pretty dang cool. It would probably be pretty dang necessary. Yeah, you're not <laughs> wrong. You are not wrong. Like, I need... I, I, I've got plenty of examples of things in creation. I, I need to know what a game in Yushan looks like, you know? Right, right. Because like, so, it's, it's such a distant place. So I just went right. back and checked... And on the Lunar's Kickstarter, it does say many-faced strangers as mm-hmm. the uh, as a stretch goal. Mm-hmm. And same for Dragon-Blooded. It says, yeah. uh, oh, crap. Air-Sushin. Air Air-Sushin. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say I, I think that this, I mean, from, from experience with the other ones, it seems to me like this Miracles of Divine Flame is going to end up being the title. So Smart. we'll see. Gotta say something. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Gotta say something about a banana. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. <clears throat> a little too early for the fruit. Um, okay, <laughs> other other stretch goals that, that have been unlocked so far are a design seed for the Chosen of Masks. I think that's super cool. It looks like, you know, their plan in drawing out these uh, stretch goals was just like we'll take all of the little example exalts that we mention in in chapter two there and we'll just like or chapter one whatever it is and we will just create like a little starting seed for people to create a character like that for each one of them which i think is very cool because all of those little examples there in that first chapter were were extremely awesome so we're getting a design seed for the chosen of masks we're getting a big list of gods that could be a basis a basis for an exigent, which I think that one, I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, we're getting a cool. design seed for the Thousand Venoms Mistress, which is like a chosen of poison or whatever. That's cool we're, sounding to me. Yeah, it is. 
we're getting a gazetteer of Great Forks, so a little more info about the streets and whatever of Great Forks. A design seed for the Chosen of the Dice. You know, somebody cool. wanted to throw in a cloth map or a, just a map of Great Forks as a stretch gold. I think we could get to Cough, that. cough, James, you know, cough. <laughs> 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 you know, I've I've been I've been saying in the comments all along. Like I, I've seen you, you poking that bear. <laughs> 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 I'm just like, look, guys. I mean, if you want to get this campaign really going, I mean, just offer a map of Great Forks. And and then, you know, and then put some of the older maps that people, you know, may not have uh, that they want to, you know, they want to pick up copies for, because they missed it at one of the previous ones, like the Lunars one. I, and, you know uh, what I think they should do is replace the digital wallpaper at 120,000 funding, by the way, uh, replace digital wallpaper with the option to buy more maps. Well, I mean, I know that it, there is a logistical issue of like, well, do we even have any leftover maps? Uh, they may not and then there's also the uh, of the previous the previous kickstarts and then there's like well we don't we didn't actually hire anybody to make a great forks map <laughs> you know <laughs> which uh i don't know how you how you would fail to do that i mean i know there comes these an added maps cost. have done well there comes an added cost with a physical product but it just it's so exciting to get something in your hands but you isn't know? it also yeah. offset by the fact that it's not like, I'm not saying, you know, 120,000, everyone who pledges at this level or above gets the map. No, it's like, it, once we unlock this level, you can give us more money and we'll give you a map in return. Yeah. So, like, it should pay for itself, yeah. right? Am yeah. I crazy? I, 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 don't, I don't know why they stopped. Maybe, maybe the Lunars maps, because, you know, I, I wasn't involved in the Lunars Kickstarter. That's why I don't have one of the maps for the wah, wah, wah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know, I know. Sad, sad, sad. But uh, wait, 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 hang yeah, on. You, you didn't, you didn't back the Lunar's Kickstarter. Not at all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know, right? It's awful. That it's like is the weird. one book that it's the one book that doesn't have my name in it. So uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sad about that. If I could go back in time, if we ever invent a time machine, if I could the, turn back time. The third place I will go is back to the Lunar's Kickstarter. Yeah, after you buy a bunch of Bitcoin. The third place. Yeah. All right, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can't be the first place. Gosh, I don't know. You know what? We may have to we may have to have a talk later. Yeah, about gonna, what are the top, stay tuned the top next, three next yeah. episode to find out where else Corey would go back and talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I thought something. I thought something great would like just occur to me, like you know, like oh, where where do you want to go? I'm like, yeah, no. Uh, everything that everything that I'm thinking in my head is like either like inappropriate, like oh, I don't want my wife to hear this podcast episode. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> we may have to spend some time coming up with that list of the top challenge for next week: the top three places you would go in a time machine. <laughs> um, so yeah, but but yeah, I would love to go back and and actually back that that Lunar's Kickstarter because um, yeah, I, I really hate that I that we missed that whole thing or I missed that whole thing now, I, but maybe the, maybe the maps thing for lunars just did not do well for them. I mean, that is a possibility, which there's a couple of reasons why that might be the case. One, it was just another copy of the creation map with different location names on it. I mean, it, it, it was done by a different artist, of course, but it is, it is the exact same landmass. It's just 
got the names of like the lunar dominions on it instead of the normal city names. And so a lot of people might have been like, well, that's cool and all, but I'm not paying 80 bucks for that. But isn't the beauty of the like direct to customer model crowdfunding thing that they can make the exact right number? So when they unlock that level and it's like, oh, 30 people want this map. So you just make 30. Yeah. But how much did you have to pay the artist for that? Like large painting? Oh, uh, because true. they might not break even until they sell like 20 or something. Mm, okay. Right. Yeah. So th- they may have been burned by that. I don't know the truth of the matter. I mean, mm. that, I'm, I'm, we're just guessing here, but we should uh, ask it James is weird. about that. We should. Like, may- maybe should. they just, yeah, you're right. Maybe they did just lose money on the Lunars one. I, I feel like if they would have done a, a, a Great Forks map on this, though, that they would have, well... I don't know. Well, yeah, because this one... you like having it's one thing to have like a world map, yeah. but like having a zoomed in, really cool, detailed map of like this is where most of our campaign is going to take place. I can't, I can't imagine. Like, okay, I didn't buy the Lunar's map because I was like, mm-hmm. eh, it's just going to be the same thing, but it's like blue tinted or something. I would right. instantly buy a map of a detailed city, though. Like in for eighty heart, bucks, yeah, in a heartbeat. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would have absolutely slammed down for a Great Forks map, like right, just yeah. But I mean, it, it it could be like maybe a part of the you know this third edition sort of mindset of we don't want to detail everything in a canonical way. You know, we want to leave it up to the individual groups. Uh, they do that with so many things, you know, they're like, well, we're not going to fill in all these details. We want you to fill in all these details. And maybe they feel like if they like fully draw like a map of Great Forks, that that is essentially just setting something in stone canonically that well, you can you changed. can draw a map and then give it the optional tag. <laughs> this is a map of great forks optional 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 yeah yeah but I, but you're right i would absolutely buy a map of great forks i mean for real but uh anyway so uh just kind of going through the rest of these um uh what do you call them that stretch we've goals. unlocked stretch goals well That's we have been on this word. bullet for a hot minute <laughs> yeah we have <laughs> <laughs> oh well actually we were done yeah the chosen the dice is the last one that we that we unlocked and then the next ones that are coming are some more charms for the four main exigents yeah. in the book that's the next one that's like uh, at this point like 50 bucks away or something uh, i just increased my uh i just increased my whatever you call it pledge or whatever by adding in the the storyteller screen so I'm doing I'm doing my part over here, trying to get it to go up. Which, by the way, that, that whole process. If can we just talk, just say a little bit about Indiegogo? It does suck compared to Kickstarter. Why? Oh just no! Be- why? <laughs> why do you, Why do you think that? Well, because you. Uh, so here's what I had to do to add the to add the storyteller screen. Oh yeah. Cancel, cancel my yeah. Cancel my original order, which I think I'm still waiting on the refund to hit the Apple. Oh page. man, really? Yeah. That, oh, okay. Yeah, it's it it's really a disappointment. I mean, you should just be able to go, well, add add the screen to my order and just charge me the difference between this like new package that I'm selecting and the old one. 
You know, why yeah. Why do I have to? Yeah, so I, I filled out a survey for Indiegogo. They sent me one on the email asking, you know, some questions. And, and this was the thing that I mainly pointed out. And, and they had it as a choice in there. Like, what would make this experience better or whatever? And so I'm like, yeah, get it to where you can just add perks and stuff without having to completely redo your order. I mean, that's, that's really kind of a foolish way to do it. Hmm. Why in the world would you want to just take people's money, refund people's money, take it again, refund it again? Take, it's It's silly. But anyway, I did add that on there uh, in order to try to push push up just a little bit. And of course, they've added some they've added some new tiers, giving people the option to name some things. And I mean, they had a few of those to begin with, but they've opened up more tiers since to try to drum the get the get the the number up. And Man, some yeah. of those are so expensive. Yeah, yeah they, they are. are. Like, so it's one twenty five is like what the, I would consider the base level the where you get the book. Yeah, yeah and that's the what PDF, I got. Right? Yeah. $300 and the only difference is you can name an NPC. Yeah, I was telling Corey, I was like, yeah. uh, I pay extra to give you a name. Names are hard. <laughs> like if I would pay 300 <laughs> if you name my next character. Yeah, but think about this though. Guys. <laughs> I mean, think about think about your think about the. It is cool. It is cool to be able to say, you know, flip open the book and you point to the name and you're like, I came up with Sir Limpsalot. Nah, nah. yeah, See, I think I think you're going about this wrong. Seventy five dollars. Yeah, but you're going about this wrong. Don't think about coming up with a new name like Sir Limpsalot. Think about <laughs> stuffing. Think about stuffing Ahaz or Gauss or. Sinus Ambrosio into one of these, Can't you know, into one of these books. Can't help any of my characters in there, but... Let's see, what characters Start over. St- <laughs> Have you played with this before, Chuck? I don't, rem- I don't remember. Jansen? No. I- oh, yeah, Jansen. Yeah. <laughs> Cerulean? Yeah, yeah. so uh, anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, that's what you think about. It's like... Uh, you you're putting like your character in there and it would be cool to be reading you know something about great forks and it's like you know this huge hulking dude who looks like prince adam from uh he-man not not the new he-man let's strike that from the from the universe but uh but you know like uh but yeah like he-man looking dude comes in there and he owns a bar in great forks or whatever his name's gauss and he's got this this bar called the golden gloves or whatever you know like that would be pretty dang cool to see, you know, to see one of your characters alive on the page like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that would be that would be worth something. That, that's not I mean, I'm not going to do that. But no. I'm <laughs> I'm happy for those who do. So, I'm mainly about the I I mainly just want the products. I want the physical things. And I'll and I'll pay you 80 bucks for a map. But uh I'm not going to pay 140 bucks or whatever it is, 180 bucks to put my name in there. But hey, looking forward to seeing all those who do. But anyway, uh, yeah, got some other stuff coming down the pipe. More of these design seeds, uh, more charms for the base exigence. Uh, really exciting wallpaper coming at some point. <laughs> the wallpapers. <laughs> Those are always hey. like, you know, I mean, you always get them with the Kickstarter. And then like, the, the, because I wasn't a part of the Lunar's Kickstarter, I was like, okay, well, crap, I don't have that Lunar's wallpaper. I feel like some part of my collection is incomplete. So I spent like 99 cents to buy the Lunar's wallpaper. And I'm like, oh. It's just like a panel from the storyteller screen. Okay, well, whatever. I guess that's a thing. Uh, it would be kind of nice. I mean, especially if you're gonna put it as a stretch goal, make it make it kind of nice. You know, 
I make wallpapers. It's something that I do. Like I, I make them for our uh, our games on our play by post site. I put a lot of work into like coming up with you know how it's like set up and all. And I don't know. It just seems like taking an image or something from a book and just you know slapping the logo on. It's a little little on the cheesy side, especially since you're putting it as a as a stretch goal. It would be cool if you did something unique for that. But I mean that's just that's just me. But anyway. So currently where we stand right now, the first five chapters of the book are available to backers and, as they they stated somewhere, and really anybody. Uh, Unlike Kickstarter, where you have to give at least like a dollar or something to get access to these previews, it seems like with Indiegogo, even if you have not given any money to the campaign, you can still click on those links that are in the updates because everybody sees those. Yeah. And anybody can get a copy of of the previewed chapters. So that's... That's a little interesting, uh, but yeah. So five chapters are out, and we're let's just go through these five chapters and talk about what has been released so far. So let, first of all, let's just get us a a thirty thousand foot view. Which sometimes you know here here's I know this is an aside, but when yesterday I think the news came out that that uh, Great Britain was was moving back to the imperial system of measurement like feet and miles and all that kind of stuff I thought that was very interesting uh, first of all welcome back uh, to the best the best and most complicated system of measurement in the world it is awesome <laughs> and we love it but uh, but at the same time I was I was like looking through some a little of the history of that did you know that in the aviation industry they always use feet when they talk about altitude and all that kind of stuff no matter like where you're from like you know if, if it's like a UAE flight or something they're like we're at 30,000 feet we've reached our cruising altitude of 30,000 feet so I, I anyway I just thought that, that was kind of cool yeah, I actually right? did know that did you yeah well, give yourself a cookie and a gold star. Where did this cookie come from? Ooh. Imagine that. The guy, with, the guy with the military background knows about yeah. military and <laughs> knows stuff. A little bit about, a little bit about, yeah. So when I say the thirty thousand foot view, did you know that some people march know. single file to yeah. hide their numbers? <laughs> <laughs> We were watching. We were watching some Star Wars thing one time, and uh, it had like the the Bantha on there. And my wife goes, "Oh, oh, it's one of those things. It's one of those what the what do you call it? The uh, it's one of those things that the Bantha riders ride." <laughs> and we were like, "Oh, Bantha! Like, <laughs> it's one of those things the Bantha riders ride." That's one of those things I always see horsemen on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we have made fun of her so much for that over the, over the course of time oh it's just hilarious anyway she's a lucky lady <laughs> yeah yeah uh she's like oh look at that car over there that's a cool car yeah it's one of those those things the honda drivers drive <laughs> but um yeah anyway so so looking at this from a thirty thousand foot view and now i know every one of you understands what i'm talking about right the thirty thousand foot view what what do you think of just the product overall that we've had that we've had revealed to us uh, through these five chapters that have been released? Just looking at it overall, what what do you think about this, Jim? Why don't we start with you? All right, Corey. You know when you've got like a lot of hype and you're waiting for this movie to come out, and then there's like maybe like the week before it comes out, you're like, man, I I kind of hope this doesn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> exigence was not that i mean it was more than i expected when i started looking into this book and just the way that 
man, the whole system of creating your exigent and how they how they work and you know their interaction with the the city of Great Forks. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Now, and it's almost to the point where I look at this and I'm like, man, if you just knew the world and didn't know any other exalt, you could play this as a standalone game. Like, yeah, I mean, you could come up with so many unique characters because you could basically come up with a god of anything and mm-hmm. then create an exigent that, you know, displays the traits of that god. So. Right. I was really impressed and I can't wait to see the, you know, it in its final glory with all the artwork and, you know, the, the borders and all that shininess that comes with the the final product. But, Oh yeah. Textually alone. Uh, I think it was, it was a lot more than I expected. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Charles? What do you think about it so far? Um, you know, kind of the same thing is, is Jim. Uh, I know we'd, we talked a little bit about, you know, what we could expect and page numbers being on the website. And then Rich T was like, no, it's literally twice that long. We're like, what right. does that even mean, though? Yeah. Um, f- for me, it was reading that, like, how to design charms and stuff. And I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, I, you know, as I think about this whole this whole book, I mean, I do have I do have some conflicting views about it. I am super positive about the product for what it is. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I love the idea of exigence. Uh, creating your own, you know, rolling your own awesome exalt type is phenomenal. I mean, it's. It's a it's a super it's a super fun concept and the examples and everything that they've given us in the book I think are are magnificent. Uh, some of my other thoughts about you know I, I'm a little conflicted about the just like even from the the fictional perspective of exigence and maybe this comes from playing comes from playing exalted in other editions where we did not have exigence and so now all of a sudden. All of a sudden, we've got these this new exalt type showing up, and they're telling us, uh, "Oh, uh, these th- these were these have always been a part of the of the world." Like they, it went back to the 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 war against the primordials, uh, which, by the way, now apparently we're calling primordials the ancients in uh, exigence it's it's been very pushed throughout the book uh, that we're essentially replacing the word primordials which has not been uttered i don't think in any third edition product up to this point the word primordial it was a big deal back in second edition but third edition is it seems to be through exigence they have landed on and chosen the word the ancients to refer to wasn't it the enemies of the gods before yes. that yeah. Yes. In the core book, it's it's all like enemies of the god, which is a clunky thing uh, to keep saying that all the time. Enemies of the gods. Enemies of the gods. Uh, so, I mean, primordials was such a great word. The ancients, while that does conjure some of a, a similar sort of idea of some something that was here long ago, it it also doesn't really capture the. I don't think it captures the scope of what we're talking about. You know, yeah, it these, sounds like, like a lesser descriptor. Yeah, it, well, it, you know, how many things, how many science fiction, fantasy fiction uh, versions of the ancients do we have? I mean, like you think about like the Stargate 
universe. You know, they had the ancients that built the stargates. Well, those are a very different type of ancients than, you know, these like, you know, inscrutable forces of, of chaos and nature that, you know, created a world, you know, created a universe. So, uh, yeah, it, it does, it does seem a little smaller scale. It's like, um, the word just doesn't carry the same gravitas as primordial. And I'm not really sure what the problem with the word primordial is, or if they just wanted to just make something different, you know, uh, the word Titan even carries more weight, you know, than, than the ancients, uh, maybe, maybe putting it together, the ancient Titans, uh, that might be okay. You know, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll use, I'll probably still just always call them primordials. But anyway, you think back to like in the fiction of Exalted, these gods were trying to rebel against their creators, which they, in order to do so, they had to, they took a part of themselves and put it in humanity because the primordials or the ancients had programmed (laughs) the gods to never fight against them. Like they were prevented by Gius from ever rebelling. And so they create these... Uh, exalted out of human beings who were so weak that the that the primordials never put a geus on humanity uh, because they didn't think that they ever stood a chance of causing them harm. So the gods put their spark into humanity in order to like kind of push humanity in the direction of maybe striking down the primordials. So from the fictional standpoint, that is the reason why exalted exist. That's why the solars exist. It's why the lunars exist. It's why the sidereals exist. And they persist from, uh, you know, generation to generation. Like one solar will die and he'll be reincarnated in another one. And so these, or this original like army, this original fighting force of the celestial incarnate was created to fight against the, the primordials. So now we're, tell, we're told that there were exigents that were a part of that too. And that kind of mm-hmm. makes sense if you're like, okay, well, yeah, the, uh, there would have been maybe, you know, some of these other gods would have tried tried their best to support the war effort, you know? Like, I, hey, Unconquered Son, I'll give some of myself to help you fight, you know? But then you you fast forward to, and, and so we say, okay, so some of them were there in the, in the war against the Primordials. Got it. That makes sense. I can kind of deal with that. But then it's like we come fast forward to the present day, in the last five years since the Empress has disappeared, the Solar has been released from the Jade Prison, the Unconquered Sun's kind of turned his face back toward creation. Now, all of a sudden, there are these little gods that are imbuing their divine spark into humans again. And this is the part that just seems a little off. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, you would you would give of yourself to fight this huge evil, but like some of these are just giving of themselves. And then, and then they're like, they're, others are stealing the spark that they give. And then there's, they're, they're selling it and they're winning it. And it just seems so it's like cheapening. It's some, it, in some ways it's sort of like cheapening the idea of a God giving of himself in order to fight some big battle. And it seems like, why are we doing this now when all of the original Exalted were created to fight the Primordials and now we're just doing it to defend a village because a village was under attack? Gods and have why problems didn't the, too. Why didn't the God just go out there and fight for the village? <laughs> well, Why would he like, like, you know what? That That's against Heaven's mandate, isn't it? What, that they could fight for a village? I don't think so. Uh, they're not supposed to interfere directly with mortals. And of course, um, Great Forks. Well, it's against kind of, the kind of looks looks the other direction 
in in most of those cases. Yeah, but I think you're talking more about like a, the Immaculate Order. You know, the Immaculate Order kind of cracks down on some of this stuff. But like, I, I mean, why would comes the, from heaven? Heaven says they can't they can't rule uh, mortals. Like they can't rule in the politics of mortals and stuff like that. So you couldn't have a god that was like the governor. But even though, yeah, like in great, like you said, in Great Forks, it's kind of it's it's essentially the same thing. It's kind of like they are the the mayors or the, the governors <laughs> or whatever. But I mean, you, you couldn't fight for your people. I mean, there are gods that like hurt their their own people. They can't fight for. Them. I don't know. I mean, so here's the thing. I do have a I do have a slight like like fictional problem with the with the thing. Like it 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 kind of scratches a part of me where I'm like I don't know if I like the way that's framed or whatever. But at the same time, the exigents themselves are so cool that I'm just willing to kind of you know treat it like warp drive in Star Trek. It's the suspension of disbelief. <laughs> You know, like it's fine. Like, don't yes. you want a cool exit of a, of a exit of a puppet god? Yes, yes, I do. You know, so uh, so I, I'm willing to kind of set those things aside. But I, I mean, I do think that's a little strange. But anyway, yeah, I'm loving the books. Uh, th- there are some of the, I mean, some of the crunchy stuff in this book are the best crunchy bits that we've ever had in an exalted product. Yes. I mean, really, there are some phenomenal charms, and then of course the whole charm design chapter i think may be the best thing ever uh I mean, oh it's, yeah it's really really good it's really good uh, I, I am sort of disappointed with with the great forks uh with the with the way that that's detailed a little bit we'll talk about that when we talk about that chapter but so i'm just looking at like overall the book i'm very pleased with it i like it a whole lot there are some things that are like Meh. but then there's this question and again we're just thinking about the book as a whole you know exigence is awesome it's a new exalt type but how would you feel if you if you just kind of realized to yourself, well, this this could have been the Abyssal's book? Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> really, that's that's kind of what you have to do is you like look at trade offs, right? Okay, this is a this is a great, awesome new exalt type that's new for third edition. It's exciting. It's exciting. but we could have had a book that detailed. The underworld, necromancy, and the coolest exalt type. Uh, you know, one of the coolest exalt like types that, of all time. Man, it makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we really just need a book that's like, here's how you make solar level powered bad guys. Well, and you could do that with exigence. You can do it with exigence. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, you can, but that's the thing. Like, well, you just do that with exigence. Sh- sure, but like. Couldn't we just have the book that's like totally dedicated to to that yeah. now, please? Thank yeah, you. yeah, I, I know. Uh, and when you, <laughs> I mean, really, you think, well, this book could have been abyssals. Well, essence could have been abyssals. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. I can hear Reddit's Reddit's uh, extra servers are spooling up now. <laughs> Scream! Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but for for real, Ex- essence could have been abyssals. This book could have been sidereals. I mean, I, mean that's, that I, could... I, I, can, I could see two two different sides of this. Like exigence, it seems like it would have been better if it came out last because then it has a yeah. lot more examples to draw from. Yes. But yes, I mean, I agree with that. Mm. But then part of me is like. If I'm designing a solar, I don't want to wait for like 10 or 12 other books come out until I get an A that 
you know, because this is like a universal aid. It helps yeah. you no matter what exalt type. It has helpful hints and how to, to, to balance things when you're designing charms for any exalt. So part of me is like, I need this. And then part of me is like, well, if it was last, then you would have a lot more things to draw from. But So I'm torn, and I think the part that says, just give me something that helps me design my own charms for any exalt, I, I kind of want it now. So, so yeah, w- without like beating a dead horse too much, I think in, in, in my mind, an ideal release schedule would have been Solar's, Dragon Bloods, Lunars, and then you have Exigence on the side like Essence was, and then Abyssals in like the main pipeline. And it's like we I get, don't know, man. We get Exigence about the- out when we ca- when we can, but like release the main Exalt types. Yeah, I mean, just imagine an alternate history though, where the design, where the design effort and and the writing effort and everything that went into Essence actually went into Abyssals, and where all the effort that went into Exigence actually went into Sidereals. And right now, you would be already holding in your hand. The manuscript for Abyssals that would be close to coming out in physical form, and you would have the first five chapters of Sidereals. The the game of Exalted would be, a third edition, would be greatly different than it is right now. I mean, greatly different. It would uh, be in I, a whole I'm always different on the place. side that Abyssal should have just been in the core. It's like, let's just go dark right out of the beginning, and then we'll talk about <laughs> yeah, the solar side. The default <laughs> assumption is you're playing evil dudes. <laughs> well, that's the way most of the other White Wolf books were, right? You know, that's what you were. You were a monster. Although I do contend that Solars are monsters. I, I am, like, thoroughly uh, of the Immaculate Order. So uh, yeah, the absolute. You've just been researching your current character too much. This is this is true. Dadgummit, your alternate (laughs) timeline really bums me out. (laughs) (laughs) The game could just be in such a different place right now. I mean, hey, the things that we're getting are cool. I mean, so I don't want to detract from the coolness, of course, of exigence. But uh, it, you know, you do have to think about things in trade offs. I mean, that's what you do, right? And so I, I think it's interesting just to kind of mull that over, like what could have been if decisions were made differently. But hey, now we got a cool new exigent type. I don't know about you guys, but some of these, some of these that are fully, like actually fully fleshed out in the book, are some of the coolest things that have ever been in Exalted. Like if you think the abyssals are cool, like yanking somebody's head off and pulling the spine out with it and turning it into a spine whip and you know creating bone wings and all that kind of stuff is cool. Well, some of the puppeteer stuff. Is oh, that yeah. it like rivals that for coolness? Yeah. Like, like it really, really does. So, uh, well, the very cool, cool thing stuff. is, is you can design your own personal exalt, and there are no limits or boundaries. Uh, you know, right. like like there are. You know, if you if you design a solar, you have to kind of fit this mold. Like you can't. But if you go and grab this obscure or weird god and design an exigent around it, I mean, it feels like it's your own. Like, it's like, this is my creation, and this right. is what I want to play in the world of Exalted. And there's there's a really rebellious part of me that likes that. Like, yeah. you know, you can't tell me what to do. Like, oh, you can't get that dragon-blooded charm because you're a solar. It's like, screw it. I'm going to design my own charm that's close to that. <laughs> You know, it's like <laughs> you can't throw fire as a solar. Well, I'm gonna be a celestial power level 
exigent of the god of flamethrowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dibs. <laughs> Dibs. <laughs> Uh, well, let's go, let's go through some of the chapters here. So chapter one just kind of talks all about exigence themselves. And how do you feel about that chapter one explanation of exigence? Charles, what do you think about that? Um, you know, okay. So (laughs) I always had trust, and this is again, just a terminology thing, but understanding like gods and spirits Mm -hmm. and like, then you have primordials and incarnate and I always feel like gods are like the big, big, big things. And in this one, they they aren't really. And it's always hard for me to kind of wrap my head around that. I thought this one kind of laid it out in a more easy to understand way. I don't know why, but it, it just hit different. So that was cool. All right. Yeah. What about you, Jim? What did you think about that chapter one? Yeah, I like that they gave you a bunch of uh, sample gods and, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, kind of a, a, a footprint of where you can go with designing exigence from those gods. And I, I think I told you this the other day when we were talking on the phone that just reading chapter one, it made me want to like pick up a, a book on like Greek mythology or like mm-hmm. Asian mythology and then just right. go through and, and kind of find like these really, really weird, obscure gods and then just think yeah. about an exigent that you could make off of that. Like, I think there was like a god of money, like in right. some mythology. And I'm like, ooh, what would an exigent from a god of money look like? Or like god of marriage. It's like, who? what could you do with a god? And, you know, just kind of looking at it as a challenge. Like, can, right. I, can I take this, this obscure kind of idea that was attached to like some deity and come up with like a superhero that comes out of that deity. Like, yeah. cause like all these gods, they're, they're like, there's like gods of physical things. Like, you know, that you got the God of, of the sky or the God of lightning or the God of the sea. And then you have like gods that are based on concepts. Like, yeah. you know, the God of humility. It's like, what is that? You know, like, I don't, I don't a- want to play that. But, you know, like, well, the God of war, you know, like, right. yeah. that's like a great that's a concept theme. and a thing, uh, but it's, but and that, then there's, there's like I gods of animals. That's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> like, like what, what would the God of foxes, what would, what would your exigent look like? Would they look kind of like a, a little mini lunar, you know, would they yeah. have like fox like characteristics or a tail or something? You know, that was just really cool. Yeah. To be able to think about, you know, just like an, an exigent, you could, you know, it's almost like a challenge. Like, give yeah. me any god, and I will give you an exigent for that god. You know, kind right. of thing. Yeah, it's very <laughs> cool. I and and you know, it's weird. You know, you talk about that needing to get a book of of like Greek or or Asian mythology in order to look at some of these. I mean, I I think yeah, I need something like that too because and it's one reason why I'm looking so forward to that one stretch goal where they're just going to detail a whole bunch of gods because like. You know, every time if if somebody was just like grabbed me off the street and was like, "Quick, create a god!" You know, in the in the world of Exalted, that you could have a cool exit. Like my every time, like every single time, like even in just what I said a second ago about a god of flamethrowers, every single time I try to think of one, it always comes back to some elemental thing. 
like like a god of the of the water or a god of fire and i'm like well dang it this is just dragon blood you know and yeah. uh and so it but then like you read the examples of the book it's like oh well puppetry and and poison and artificial flight and you're like oh well, those are awesome you know but my mind always goes to things that are like already covered you know so yeah it would be cool to look at some of these like more abstract concept type gods and whatnot and I'm fleshing like, out, it, fleshing out the pottery god that I came up with. Several that's right, yeah, pottery god. That, it's not bad. Jim that, has that never felt coming. more vindicated in his whole. I know. Life. I love it. I, know, I love it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, as as I was reading through that first chapter, I mean, I went through like kind of a number of feelings. You know, like um, like I said, my my first feeling, and this was in reading chapter one, is where I was like, hey, this doesn't sound like exalted. The, you know, exalted were created to fight the primordial war, not this. Wah, wah, wah. You know, I kind of started like that, and then I just immediately kind of cha- started changing to, I don't care. I want to make an exigent of the god of artificial flight, and like, you know, like they they give this <laughs> example of a few gods, They're like, yeah, there's the god of artificial flight, and I'm just immediately picturing this like superhero dude who has like a Da Vinci style like jetpack. It's like a it like has like wooden and canvas wings that like spring out of the side of it. And he like flies around in this jetpack and like channels all these like charms through this artifact jetpack thing that he has. And he's like freaking rocket man or, you know, jetpack man or whatever. And I was like, Oh, that would just be the coolest thing ever. So like I said, I very quickly set aside my, this doesn't sound like it fits the fiction and was just all in on the, Oh, I can't wait to make this. So yeah, I loved. I really loved the sample gods, just like Jim said. Thought that was very cool. Made me want to make a. I just want a ton more of them. It's like pure imagination fuel, and my mind was just going crazy as I was like reading all this stuff. So, yeah, um, it does really. Uh, it, it gets the 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 fires going in the, the uh, creative. Yeah, in the creative department. <laughs> like, That's right. I want to make something. Can you not right. say the word juices like that, please? I feel attacked. Juices. <laughs> juices. <laughs> I'm uh, the god. Then, I am the exigent of the god of juices. Oh, gosh. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> There's like a thousand was... things going through my mind right now. <laughs> Mong Tai, the god of juicing weasels. <laughs> Why does anyone juice weasels? <laughs> well, that was a cool thing uh, right up in the book of like the god of intoxication. What like, is it yes, that was weasels. awesome. <laughs> uh, we were coming back from a thing we did at church last night, and I and oh, I put on man. this song by uh, oh, Weird goodness. Al Yankovic called uh, "Weasel Stomping Day." Yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't heard uh, Weird Al's oh, song gosh, "Weasel Stomping dude. Day," you need to you need to take a listen to that. You got me. uh, Yeah, anywho. Jeez. (laughs) All right, well, let's go into Chapter 2. Chapter 2 is all about Great Forks. What do you guys think about Great Forks? Um, uh, Jim, why don't I let you you start with that? Okay, so I I reread that. I mean, it came out pretty early. I think it was like last week. That was like one of the first ones to drop was Chapter 1 and 2. So I I reread it again last night. And, man, this is just so cool. Um I like that, like, all these different gods congregate in this city. And they have, like, it was described as, like, they have these little pocket worlds that they, like, dwell within. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, you would go up to this temple to, like, visit this god or something. And, like, he's like, oh, I was in my, like, pocket universe for a little while and hanging out. What do you want to do? Like, I want to be your exigent. Like, uh 
go somewhere, you know. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, the whole thing about the spark and like they come up with these uh, different games and competitions that people who want yeah. to be exigents. Cool. So that gives me so many ideas. Like, cause they, they talk a lot about slavery and like, I always like to build these characters that come from nothing and then are something great. Right. So you could like, it's a real cool story. You could come up with like this guy who was a slave and like competed in these games because he wanted mm-hmm. to be something better, you know, than yeah. his current status in the world. And, like he won the spark, like you know he beat the crap out of all these other contestants, and and like he was granted this spark from this this god and became an exigent. That was like, it was cool, and the way the city's laid out, and it talks about the governance and and like how how the city came about and it's structured, and uh, yeah. and and they give you like these really cool hooks that you could like use to start stories that start in the city of. Of Great Forks. So, yeah. yeah, I thought it was really good. I, I liked that chapter. And I was looking forward to this, like, before the book came out. When they announced yeah, just like, that they're doing a whole chapter on uh, Great yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it is uh, that aspect of it is cool. I like this idea of, like, building in this, like, cool, large location that has a lot to do with you know, the, the exalt type. I mean, of course we get that with a lot of, you know, you got the blessed isle for dragon bloods. You got Yushan for Sidereals. You got the underworld for, for the abyssals and whatnot. And, you know, Autochthon for the alchemicals and Malpheus for the, the infernals. I mean, so that, that is cool that they have this, this area. I, I was, and maybe it's just because they, the link that they kind of had to, that they kind of had to stick to in order to make a chapter about great forks. I thought that the write up was, well, it was a little more boring than I expected it to be, uh, I, and and when I when I say that I I'm basing that off of my feelings of Great Forks after reading the write up in the Dragon Blooded book about the Temple of the Reverent Whisper in the Outcast section and the the really really awesome thing that they have there where they're talking about how these gods come for this illicit worship and whatnot and and so my my previous feeling of great forks was this is a place where some really cool stuff goes down you know and then reading this chapter in the manuscript it was a little drawn out you know as they start going into things like you know governance and whatever first of all my mind can't help but think like would that actually work would this would this style of governance actually work uh you know kind of like this weird central planning uh you know almost communistic uh, sort of a thing. I mean, like these people aren't elected or at least they don't seem to. Anyway, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking through all this stuff and I, and I was just like, well, it's just because somebody just sat down and they had the, they had the assignment to like come up with a, with some sort of, you know, system of, of rulership or whatever. And I was I like, think it's, you, it's I think fine. you let reality get in the, in the way I of your do, fantasy role playing too I much. <laughs> I do. But I was, I was like, you know, I was expecting, you know, that same feeling of, of wow that I got from reading that, you know, Temple of the Reverend Whisper stuff in, in the Dragon Blood book. And then and then I kind of came away with like, okay, Great Forks, okay. You know, whatever. It's a cool place. But I, I wasn't like, I wasn't super wowed by very many things there. Now, there were some things that did wow me. Uh, the idea of the uh, the Shrine Gangs... Yeah, in the chapter, cool. I like was that. Amazing. I like that. <laughs> I mean, you've got these like you've got this these like roving gangs 
of like these lesser pathetic, gods. Yeah, these pathetic gods that can't get yeah. no one to worship them. Like, like I'm <laughs> the god of I'm the god of juiced weasels, and nobody <laughs> wants to worship oh, me. God. And, and this guy over here is the god of dirty buttholes. And, and they're, they're and, like you know, they're like attacking, <laughs> you know, kidnapping people in the in the dark alley, shaking them down for prayers. Like you're going to pray to me right now. <laughs> yeah, they're running. They're going up and down the business, like the business streets. You know, they're like they're running a protection racket. They're like, hey, if you don't want no dirty buttholes up in mm. here, you're gonna have to. <laughs> You're going to have to pay the protection money, you know. And, uh, I, man, that is a very, very cool idea. I mean, that that's that's one of, like, the coolest, like, little story. I, I mean, that's a kind of ideas. a story or, or, you know, a plot hook within itself. Yeah. It's, there's like, a thousand that is plot really hooks in that. cool that, yeah. what you could do with that. Yeah, yeah. it's very neat. And, and like you said, I, I did love that they had this, like, section of, you know, here's just some straight-up plot hooks, right? They're, they're often... I mean, in every Exalted product, like when you read the, the third edition core and you're going through the, the Gazetteer section on creation, every single entry for every single location is just a plot hook. Like every paragraph, every self-standing paragraph is a plot hook. It's like that's what they were assigned to do as they were writing it. They're like, well, the city of Watso has this strange thing that comes out once every, you know, three moons or what? Like they're just constantly hooking all the time in, in all the other books. But this is just like, Hey, you want plot hooks? Here's a bunch of plot hooks. I mean, it was just, it was very overt. It was right out in the open. And I, and actually I like that. I think that's very cool. Of course I like the other way that they do it too, but, but I would kind of like to see a lot of this, you know, looking back through a lot of the first edition books, uh, they do this thing in, in first edition books where they're like, you know, if you like this location, here are about 10 character concepts. You know, like the first step in designing a character is coming up with a character concept. And so in first edition, they were always saying, here's like 10 character concepts that might come from this location. And it's a very like game mechanic-y, you know, like sidebar kind of a split out, you know, thing that's just like, here's some cool concepts. And the, the thing about plot hooks is sort of, it felt like that to me. And I would love to see more of this in products going forward. Like, here's some more, like, like in across the eight directions. Hopefully they will do that as they detail each yeah. one of these different yeah, locations. Like, here's like five plot hooks. You know, here's eight plot hooks for, the, for this place. And here's five for this place. Because that really helps people, get people going. So Well, yeah, like you said, the, the, the other style that they use. They're there, but you kind of, kind of extract them out of like the individual paragraphs. Like, ooh, this would be yeah. good. This would be good. Right. Like, like when we uh, talked about House Regara, they didn't give any plot hooks. Like, like here's a plot hook, but there's yeah. so much going on that you're there's, like, ooh, that yeah. would be good. You it know, would, like the whole write up is full of plot hooks. If that's like what this, you're looking this whole for. thing yeah. of like secretly trying to beat the Wild Hunt to like you know capture the anathema or the artifact that they carry right it's like you're just like boom that's that's what we're doing yeah that's the story we're doing yeah but sometimes you need it thrown right in your face like here's a plot hook you're like right yeah okay i like that (laughs) so it it represents a a little bit of a departure from the previous way of doing things but it's a good departure i like it what about you charles what'd you feel about the the great forks chapter well it'd be better with a map but uh um <laughs> no um <laughs> there may be a map in this section when we, you know when the I'm final books um no so it's funny you kind of dumped on the government which i actually found kind of interesting uh 
<laughs> Only because there's like so many and they're like kind of specific that you could play like a really politically centered game fairly easily with this, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, and right. <laughs> then the cuisine really stuck out to me. Uh, one, one thing... Oh, yeah. One thing that I <laughs> yeah, always I like find that. hard is how to make a place feel real without mm -hmm. the players yeah, falling into the that. whole trap of like, oh, he he mentioned that well. There's something in it. Let's let's go look. And it's like, guys, no. <laughs> like, I just wanted to describe an interesting landmark. It doesn't mean that there's anything about it. They're right? eating noodles made out of rice. Yeah. Oh, there's something in the rice. Yeah, there's bowl. something in the rice. Yeah. No, but I think that food can kind of be that thing that it it's rarely going to be something that starts a story off, but right. it can help make it feel real. Like, oh, they've got that winter drop meat. It's in season again. And like the players really play that up and then they come back Don't to town. Don't drink the meat. It's going to kill you. <laughs> they come back to town like a couple... Soylent green as people. Like a couple of adventures later and it's like, oh no, we, we just sold the last of it. And that helps you sell the passage of time that kind of reinforces the, the groundedness of everything. Uh, right. And so I just, I kind of felt that a little bit in this very short cuisine write up. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I, I mean, Great Forks is a neat location. I'm glad it gets this kind of a treatment. I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot of other places in creation getting this kind of treatment too. Uh, I was one of those that really appreciated the second edition, let's define everything uh, kind of mindset. I like that. I like that a whole, whole lot. So I'm, I'm one of these that's a little on the, like the want, want side when they're like, Oh, in third edition, we're going to not do as much of that and leave it up to you. But, uh, but it does, it does seem like that they are, I mean, this was cool. Like, you know, they did a pretty full ride up for great forks. Uh, they've done a pretty full ride up for a lot of the places in, in the, the blessed Isle. I'm looking forward to that across the eight directions and seeing how their ride up of Olivet breaks my, my current, uh, game that we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> we we based the whole game off of a couple of like short paragraphs, and let's see how they destroy what we well, built out of that. But hopefully, anyway. we'll we'll be done with that game by the time. Uh, yes, yeah, hopefully. So. Right. Well, what about so? Then the next chapter is character creation, and the character creation chapters in books are always like pretty short. It's just a few pages detailing some of the basic rules. And that's what they did here too. So this is a, a chapter that you can read over very quickly. So were there any? Was there anything surprising about the character creation chapter? For me, it was just Char like the amount of stuff in it. Um, and then all like I, I don't know. Maybe it was just too much to really understand because some of the stuff I was like, I'm not sure how you would determine if you're creating an exigent that is like so like excellencies were were kind of weird thing to me like how do you determine if your exalt is an ability plus ability or like an ability plus skill or ability plus specialty or whatever you know i, I mm -hmm. it, maybe i didn't read it carefully enough i don't know but i found that was the only thing that stood out in i hate to say negative cuz it wasn't bad clearly i just missed something but dude there's just so much stuff 
in that chapter so much. Yeah. Uh, After the, Corey says it's a little short and sweet chapter. <laughs> well, it, it was kind of a short and sweet. I mean, the, the, you're. Am I thinking of the wrong chapter? Ch- wait, wait, no. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I, you We're may be. About I'm chapter just thinking three. Of, you're, you might be talking about chapter four. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about just the, the, char- the oh, basic character creation. Where it's like you need a concept. <laughs> you need a, you know. Yeah, we'll, oh, we'll get yeah. to chapter four in a minute. No, this one yeah. is basically the like. There's nothing different in it, right? Yeah, they do have the two different types of, you know, you've got like one character creation uh, sort of set if you're going to do like more of a terrestrial power level character. And then you've got the one that's more for the celestial power level. But again, those already exist in the other books, though. So it's it's really just a reprinting. Yeah. And and some of it to me, it was like uh, they had a couple of these big tables or or whatever you want to call them, I guess, a sidebar or table showing... Uh, all the different steps and how much things cost if you were using bonus points and some like i couldn't even determine like the, the differences between a couple of those i was looking back and forth it's like is there a difference here um and yeah. maybe i'm missing something but anyway i mean well, it's just thing, it's that's why i said thing, is there any surprises because it was pretty pretty straightforward the thing i liked um you know um like they didn't limit you on how you created your exigent if you wanted uh like like you could you could design an exigent that's attribute based kind of like the lunars are or mm-hmm. you could design one that's ability based kind of like the solars and the dragon blood are uh, mm-hmm. or they had this thing called essence based which you didn't even really fall into the other ones it was yeah that was kind of interesting that it it gave you a little bit of room to design you know because they have no idea what you're designing like what random god you're picking or if you're picking one that's um that's already designed for you but they right. gave you some room to kind of design the character to work with how your character work because i mean you could be a guy that's you know doesn't invest and spread among tons of uh abilities you know mm-hmm. so an attribute based uh, exigent would be the way you'd want to go. So, you know, like Charles said, when you pick your excellencies, it, you know, it would be based on if you have an attribute-based exigent or you have an ability-based exigent. And if you go ability, right. of course, you get more exigent, or excuse me, you get more excellencies, uh, just like the solars do. And if you go attribute-based, you would get, you know, a couple a of couple. excellencies yeah. that could be used in multiple different spots like a lunar you know like you have an right. excellency strength you're using that thing a lot but right. if you have an excellent melee like a solar then you're only using that um when you're when you're in melee right, right. so i like that they gave you that freedom and they kind of helped you design you know gave you guidelines to design like this is how you would do it if that's what you want to do right and and so far in third edition we have not had any any like published exalt types that are essence based that right. is that will be the infernals when they finally come out that's the way they were in second edition so it's most likely the way they would be in third edition if we ever get there if the world doesn't end in nuclear war before we get to that <laughs> point <laughs> uh, so anyway but yeah yeah it is it's interesting they give they've definitely given a whole lot of latitude here 
with creating your own thing. They try to provide for just about every possibility you could you could look into, and, and very very cool. And that brings us right into the chapter four of them, which is how you do all of that, how you design your own charms, design your own you know ideas and all that, and and how good do you think the guidance is in chapter four about designing your own charms? Did you like this chapter? Yeah. Jim, what do you think? Oh, the, oh the, go ahead, Charles. No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. It doesn't matter. Uh, okay, I'll go. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll, go. I'll just keep juicing these weasels over here. <laughs> <laughs> so this was, I mean, I, I think Vance said it in one of the, um, in one of his, pod, one of the podcasts that he was on. Like he was mm-hmm. basically trying to put his brain down on paper. And this does yes. a really good job of telling you like things that you probably wouldn't even think about when designing charms. I think my default uh, go-to on designing a charm was, well, let me just find something similar and then mm-hmm. tweak it to make it my own. But right. with this, it goes through like, oh, this is something you need to think about. If, you, if they're going to pay, um, if they're going to pay moats, here's a guideline of how moats work. And if you're, uh, if they're going to pay willpower, then willpower probably equals about four or five moats. But uh, a five dot uh, moat cost isn't the same, isn't the same as a one moat plus willpower because you can get moats back, especially if it's right. a combat charm. You're going to get, you're going to get those moats back every round, but you're mm-hmm. not going to get that willpower back every round so anything that costs willpower needs to be like a pretty big event and the whole idea of all those different tags that you use like decisive only withering only dual like that it man this chapter really captures all that information and it made me look at charm design like in a different in a different light like you know using initiative to to pay for something how that works and how it compares if you were just using moats or willpower so right. this was really really stinking good and i just love that it just feels like it's the right way to do it and it almost felt like this chapter needed to be in the core book like hey guys <laughs> if you're yeah i know we've got like a bazillion charms but there's there's that charm you're looking for that's not here and this is this is a guideline on how to do it, which is puts me in that camp again of exigence needed to come out when it did because the 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 mechanics and the guidelines that's laid out in chapter four can be used in the other three splat books that we currently have. Yeah. So we needed it, and yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I I would think that if you're gonna you know if you were you're saying it should be added to the core. That, that's almost like at, at that point you're, you're almost gonna have to break the core into like a player's handbook and a dungeon master guide you know to to separate because that's just it's so much nuts and bolts you know uh but yeah I, I i do i love this chapter i think this is easily one of the best chapters ever written for any exalted product mm-hmm. ever i mean seriously um i love you know, i mean just for kinda, almost any game product i mean yeah, do you ever know of any role-playing game that teaches you mechanically how to design right. your own stuff no. Yeah. Th- this is yeah, great. This, yes. This is this is like when you know uh, Bethesda or whatever provides the toolkit for building your own uh, dungeons and whatever in Skyrim. 
you know, and they give you the same toolkit that the developers use to design the dungeons in the actual game. You know, I mean, that that's what this is. This is like here we're giving we're giving you like the full the, the full tool suite. We're not giving you like the dumbed down, you know, Microsoft Paint. We're giving you the same thing we use to make <laughs> to make this. So, uh, but yeah, I, I loved it. I'll tell you what, I loved the explanation of dice probability and yes. their way of actually like thinking about that. Yes, and how, that was such a help. Yeah, like you know, if you add this dice trick to it, that will up the probability to this. So you can imagine this many successes rolling this many dice, and like that was super cool. And, uh, you know, they, they actually said some things, uh, as they should, they said some things kind of explicitly there that I've often, you know, kind of noticed and, and thought about when reading through the charm sets that, you know, people always talk about, oh, it's all the third edition, it's all dice tricks and whatever. Like, give me some more dice tricks with my charms. But, you know, some of the things that they're doing when, like, Solars, for example, it says re-roll all ones until ones cease to appear. And then, like, a, a dragon blood, and it's like reroll sixes until sixes cease to appear. It's just like, yeah, look at there, just a couple of different dice tricks. Well, there's a big difference between rerolling ones until they cease to appear, where now you cannot botch. You cannot botch. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah. And also, there are, there are effects in a lot of charms that's like subtract successes from the opponent's thing that he did for every one that he rolled. Well, if you rerolled all your ones until they cease to appear, you don't have any to fuel that dude's charm that he used, right? Yeah. But the dragon blooded, who is a lesser power level, he's rerolling all sixes until they cease to appear. He can still botch, and he can still roll ones that would, you know, count against them for some charm that the opponent's using. So, like, you know, they made those things explicit, and and I was like, yeah, this is good. People need to understand that this is what's happening when you when you know the reason why you have a reroll all ones and a reroll all like th there's a reason for this. So I really really loved the explanation of all of that, uh, you know, sort of st statistical what what there, uh, but also I loved the, the they they had a lot of like helpful suggestions of how to like visualize your creative space. Uh, so like one of the things he said is like, you know, you think of your charm set like a planet that has a core and a mantle and a crust and like down in the core is where you're going to put all of these like real basic abilities. And then as you move outward to the mantle, the crust, they're getting more wild and a lot more, you know, like flashy and whatnot. And, and it just the, the way that they talk you through that. So as you're designing a charm set, you know, you may even like draw it. Uh, as like, like a picture, like, okay, these are the things in the core and then I'm going to stretch out. And it's just, it's such good advice for how the game designers get in the right mindset to to put these things onto paper to to actually like create these for the book they're giving you they're actually giving you their little tricks that they use and i thought that was so so cool i i loved the section on the anatomy of a charm that has all the various types of effects that a charm could use and then how to think about the costs and whatever else i mean that was just that was so good to just break it down to these like fundamental levels like that. And uh, then, the, then they have the example of charm creation, which Jim brought up a little early about, about the, uh, the God of like drunkenness or wine or something like that. And how they use that in this example to create one charm that actually like sort of like inebriated somebody through like poisonous type attacks. And then another charm that could expel all of that poison to give the person a hangover, <laughs> which was just like, I mean, that's just cool in and of itself, but it just, it, it, 
you're like, oh man, now I would kind of love to make a, you know, a exigent of the God of drunkenness. Like this yeah, is so cool. It was almost like just applying a wound penalty to someone without having to do any damage to them. Yeah. Like they got Which like a minus very, two I mean, or, or, it, or minus three if there were loud noises or yeah, really loud bright. noises and bright lights. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's so thematic. It's so cool. And even their way of talking about how, uh, you know, some charms you design from the, the top down from like, uh, from a concept, a story narrative concept of how this charm works down into the mechanics, other charms you design from the mechanics up where you're like, I want it to do this. And now let me think about how that works with the fiction. Yeah. The top down and, and bottom down. Yeah. And bottom yeah, up. Yeah. Good. I mean that it's very cool. You can, you can actually, as you're reading through the straw maiden Janice charms, you can actually see the ones like you could say, Oh, you did that one from the bottom up. Oh, you did that one from the top down, you know? And uh, so that was all, that was all super, super cool. And then, I mean, let's just say for, I mean, cause it needs to be said the last part of chapter four, where they have the catalog of, it's like an index. Oh of yes. The, that is so good. Of all the different charm effects and examples of charms yes. that have already been written in the core, in the dragon blood book, in the lunars book that use that concept. That so is that so, we, so convenient. It's like, it's ultra I, need, valuable. I need a ranged attack charm to, to kind of look at and to, yeah. to base off what I want to do. And it gives you examples like here. Yeah, so here's a to, solar example. Here's yeah. a lunar yeah. example. Yeah. I mean, very, very cool. I mean, this is, that's like the most helpful thing ever. I mean, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's so super great. helpful because we're always saying, oh, well, you just compare the effect that you want to create to another charm. Well, in order to do that, you have to know those charm sets really yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You'd be like, oh yeah, where, where, that was a that was a survival charm, I think, in the Lunar's book. Maybe let me go look for it, and you're just like hunting, hunting, hunting. But here it's like, boom! Here's an index. You're looking for this kind of effect, and it's and it's long. Like there, yeah, it's it's exhaustive. Like there are a lot, a lot, a lot of example charms there. Yeah, it's like a one stop shop. You know, it's yeah. like and it's like, oh, you need a range charm. Oh, do you need a melee charm? Oh, do you, or do you need something that gives this effect? And it's like, yeah. here, look at these examples. And it's like yeah. you didn't have to go so comb helpful. through the book. The and one look thing, through the thousand charms. The one thing that I just, you know, again thinking about alternate histories of when things would be released <laughs> and whatnot. How good would this be if Exigence were the last book created, and that and that part of the chapter that had the examples of all the other effects could include all mm -hmm. nine other exalt types. It makes me like want there to be some sort of addendum or something down the road, like charm index, you know, where they just include all of them because this is such a helpful tool. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of sad to me that it's only covering solars, lunars and dragon bloods. Like what would this look like if it also included infernals and, and abyssals and, Siderials. I mean, like it would. So, I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they will revisit this idea and do do some kind of thing later on. It would be cool if they did. I know that's like a if lot they of could work. Just update but, the list as new spout, splat books come out. Yeah, although you'll never be able to update your deluxe edition that you had printed or whatever. But, but yeah, it, it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's a little sad. It'd be cool if it was like if it was complete. You know, like when you get the printed book, it's complete, but it won't be. Well, maybe what the, the last splat book that comes out, there will be a <laughs> we're going to print you uh, an exigence <laughs> updated list. 
yeah. as a stretch goal of one million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> right after the but, uh, uh, digital wallpapers. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get those in first. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. But anyway, uh, what did you think, Charles? I know you you started talking a little bit about this chapter in the last part that we were talking about. But what did you, what did you think of this chapter? I mean, well. <laughs> I hate to say that you covered it, but, uh, I mean, re- really, it's more or less what you said. There's just, uh, there's so many steps of charm creation that you could get hung up on, and this covers all of those so well. I found a lot of the probability stuff, um, like, a little bit hard to conceptualize, really, because I'm not, like, I like math, but I'm not, like, a mathematician, so... Trying to really understand some of that stuff was like, uh, like I think, I think I get it. Uh, it. This reminds me of all of those people who make uh, the Pathfinder breakdowns, where they're like, "Do you want to play the most mm-hmm. effective fighter ever?" And they have like charts, and it's like at certain levels, these are how your roles will break out. And normally, normally I hate that stuff. Because it's designed, mm-hmm. it's designed to like min min the max, right? But yeah. here, it, it's it's appropriate because it's like no, no no this isn't about like breaking the game or anything like that. You need to understand how the math behind it works, just so you can make right. something that works and actually doesn't break the game. You know, it's kind of right. like the polar opposite of most when you get this kind of stuff for most other games where it's like, how do you, how do you build a fighter that deals like an average of 400 damage on each attack at level eight? And you're like, don't do that. Why would you do that? You know? And, um, so it's bad in those instances, but here it's like, no, no, no. Like this is how those dice tricks work out. And like when you explained, is there a difference between re-rolling ones and re-rolling sixes? I didn't even really think about it like that, where it's like, you can never botch. Or, yeah, there are powers that, you know, make your rolls worse if you roll ones, because the bad guy has some charm that does that. So those never affect Mm -hmm. you. And I was just like, oh, man. Because, like, in my mind, sixes and ones are, neither of those are successes. So, oh, that's just, like, the same thing. So seeing that stuff broke down a bit more mechanically like that was cool. And like you said, this list at the end, I don't know what we'd call it, but like the effects breakdown. So like, I just happened to be on one called Sutterfuge Effects. So it's like, hey, it's, oh no, shut it. Not, not Subterfuge, <laughs> whatever. Do you want to act without breaking stealth? You know, do you want bonuses on larceny rolls, bonus on stealth act? Do you want to create concealment? Do you want to enter stealth without it? How do you mute moat expenditures, reflexive stealth, all that stuff? So it's like these broad areas of like, I know I want to create like a sneaky guy, but I don't even, other than that, I don't even know where to start. And it's like, oh, maybe I'm a dude who focuses on creating concealment. And boom, it automatically points you to a couple of charms that can get you started that way. Right. It's like, it's genius. Genius. Super cool stuff. Super cool stuff. Worth the price of admission right there. I'll be honest. 
I'm getting this book pretty much only for this chapter. It's not that it's not that the rest of the book isn't good. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even gotten into the the actual. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's some good stuff. There, there's good. Yeah. There's good stuff in other places. Don't get me wrong, but like this I mean, is I, I, all I, that I, I really understand want. what Charles is saying here. I yeah, mean, no, this it, this is why we all like want a combination it. about uh, of what Corey said. You know, like if it was just this chapter alone, it's worth getting. Like, yeah. but there's a bunch of other good stuff in it. But this yeah. chapter by itself is like the best thing ever right. uh, for this game. It, it was and needed. speaking speaking of the other good good stuff that's in here, let's talk for just a minute about chapter five, Straw Maiden Janist. Now, Straw Maiden Janist has been around since the core book. She was the sort of example exigent that is talked about. There's pictures of her. There's even some chapter fiction of Straw Maiden Janice, even all the way back in the core book. So she has been around for a while, this this tall redhead wearing green with a scythe who is out to defend her village against the fair folk. And we get a full-on charm set for the chosen of the god of the harvest, or ten sheaves, whatever you want to call him. You can name your character Straw Maiden Janice. You can name your character Harvest Lord Bob, whatever you want to. But they have given us a a full exalt type for one person in creation who is exalted by this god. And they give us a, a celestial power level exalt type for this one character. And there is some amazing stuff in here. Uh, first of all, do you guys like Straw Maiden Janice? And second of all, what are some of your favorite charms? Jim, why don't you get us started? Well, I, I would have to say that when I first thought about exigence and like making your own, uh, your own exalt, I didn't realize what all that entailed until I read chapter five. Like I was reading, you know, through the charms list. And it's like, well, if Straw Maiden Janice takes this, if Stra- and I was like, what do you mean? Why wouldn't she take this charm that's specifically designed for her? And then it dawned on me, like you just said a minute ago, um, this is its own exalt type. Like, I could play, like, four different Straw Maiden Jan- Janice if I wanted to. Like, mm-hmm. I could pick a different charm set, a different... Like, they, they made charm trees that are options that you could pick it didn't like it didn't like designing a character like here's straw man janice and you're like here play her you know it, it like yeah. like a pathfinder ready-made character or something right this is a template and you can design her or him however you want to do it and you don't even have to call her straw man janice like you said harvest time bob or whatever um <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Weasel Stump and Jerry. Jeez, that's great. That's great. <laughs> but this is like, it's totally how I, I was. I was not looking at it this way. Like you're actually designing an exalt type. So you could put a lot of work into a certain god, like, you know, the, the god of the sea. And you could say, mm-hmm. well, if you want the god of the sea to look more like a melee style character, go down this tree or if you want him to be have like elemental control go down this care go down this charm path or you mm-hmm. can grab a little bit of both and be like some kind of blend in between right so that was just 
it, it totally opened up exigence and it made me see it in a different in a different light. But this character by itself, uh, I oh oh also one other thing, they basically grab your hand and use this exalt type that they designed to walk you through all the information that was poured into your brain in mm-hmm. chapter four. Like yes. this is how we designed this person. We followed this step. We did this step. We, and then we went here and then here's how we designed her charms yeah. and like the that well, was chapter huge. three and four. Uh, but I, I really love that. And, uh, as far as her favorite, a uh, favorite charm of hers, I love the busy harvest, which is mm. it's just a great charm. Like you, you the, can. I think that's one of those mechanics up charms. By the way, don't you? What's think? that? I think busy harvest is one of those that was designed from the mechanics up. They oh wanted yeah, something, yeah, definitely, definitely. They wanted something that gave like a you know a little one two punch, and then they you know, worked from that up to this concept of like, you know, you're moving fast through a harvest, you know, oh, swishing which the, page is that one on? Thing. Uh, it's in the it's, athletics charms. Athletics. Yeah. It's basically, one of the early ones in the athletics. Yeah. If she, if she crashes an opponent, like, you know, basically you do a massive withering attack, then you can reflexively make a decisive attack. So it's like getting a two, two, two in one combo kind of thing. Oh yeah. 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 And yeah. But it, and if it's actually an enemy of the community, you don't reset to your base initi- initiative, which is huge in right. uh, third edition. Because always when you make that decisive, you go back down to three. But right. if you don't have to do that, and there's a charm that allows you to not do that, that is awesome. And yeah. one, other, one other thing I would like to mention that was really good about this chapter is right at the end, it goes into talking about her artifact weapon. And oh, it gives yeah. you, it walks you through how to make the evocations. And the thing, it has like a, what, what is it called? It's like a harvest time mode and a reaping time, or it, it, growing mode, growing mode and harvest mode. Mm-hmm. Like, and how sh- the, the scythe switches in and out of that and how the evocations play on that to get you from growing to harvest mode and, the the fact that the um, the weapon does different things depending on what mode it's in, and yeah. it has that feel of uh, the bell shield where it, it's just yeah. a it's a different kind of artifact that has like its own little subset of rules that work with that artifact. And, and I think the artifact is very cool just from the beginning of it in that it's actually a part of the exalt type itself. It's not something you take as a merit. She gets it for free. It's an additional thing that she doesn't right. have to pay merit dots for. Yeah. It's built he, into the actual yeah, exit. It's yeah. built into the ex- exalt. And then like it's a, her anima effect. Like one of her anima effects is that she can call the thing to her hand from anywhere. It's like Mjolnir and Thor. Right. And if anybody else tries to break her attunement to it, I mean, she just instantly breaks their attunement and yanks it back to her hand. It is an integral part of the exalt, which is is so, that's so cool as an idea, you know, especially as I was thinking about my jetpack man or rocket man, uh, the exigent of the God of artificial flight and how you would do the same thing with like your jetpack, you know, it would be like a part of, it would be fully tied into like the whole charm set, you know? So that just that idea of an artifact being into like intimately tied into the exigent type 
was a sweet and novel idea. You I know, thought that was uh, very cool. If you make a Rocket Man, I'm going to make a Tiny Dancer exigent just so we can fit <laughs> with the Elton John themes. <laughs> Because every time you say Rocket Man, I hear Rocket Man. You know, so so we'll have Rocket Man, a tiny dancer, and one of those fabulous uh, sovereigns, and uh, it'll it'll be the Elton John game. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, anyway, what about you, Charles? What did you think of old Straw Maiden Janist? Okay, so uh, maybe it's just overexposure. I think she's kind of meh. That being said, though, I didn't understand why there were so many charms for her. <laughs> I was like, holy <laughs> crap, there's like, how many pages of charms? It's just like... 96. Goodness gracious. <laughs> 96 pages. So obviously it's just the case study for how to make an exigent and like what the charm progressions look like. So... Well, it's also it's a whole it's a whole game yeah, for somebody. Exalt of itself. Well, yeah, so, so I like, didn't with, with, I didn't realize that either, because um, like that makes sense. It's like there are multiple different Janists out there. That's cool. I didn't even know you were supposed to look at it like that. So that kind of helps reframe it. It's like you can be a solar, yeah, like, a like lunar, said, a Janist. It, that's like that's yeah. cool. I get that. Yeah, yeah, it didn't dawn on me until I was like reading the charms, and it goes, "If Strawman Janice chooses this," and I'm like, "Why would she not choose a charm that's made for?" And then I'm like, yeah. "Well, because oh. you can only ever afford so many." That's kind of what I was yeah. thinking. But so that that helps reframe it for me, and that's like that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Uh, now that yeah. that being said, uh, Plowshare cuts the furrow. <laughs> such an awesome charm. What does that one do? Okay, so it's like at the bottom of page 11, top of page 12. And it says, When Janice crosses range bands, she reflexively attempts a feat of demolition to a to destroy an obstacle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, yeah. that's that's the one. You know, when I read <laughs> that one, I actually, that was when I start, like, so there's one just before that called, like, uh, Earth's Gentle Embrace, I think is, like, kind of right before that one. So in Earth's Gentle Embrace, she can essentially fall from any height. And when she lands, it, she like creates this shock wave centered on her landing point And it, it like throws people to the ground and does damage to them or whatever. Uh, you know, it's it's like, again, you imagine like a Thor or Neo from the Matrix or something just kind of like landing. Like, and then this huge shock wave going out. And then, the, yeah, then they follow it up with that one that you were just talking about where she could just like dash and destroy all this stuff. And I was thinking, holy crap. She's stronger. This is like power creep. She's stronger than a solar, you know, I'm like, and, and, and it actually made me go back and read a bunch of like solar brawl charms and stuff like that. And then I was like, uh, Oh, well, ne never mind, never mind. She's not stronger than a solar, <laughs> but she is, she is at a similar level of power, but like, well, I, I kind of celestial. Yeah. I kind of forgot, I guess. I've been reading the Dragon Blood no. charm set for so long because we're starting a new Dragon Blood game, and I've been making you know the greatest character ever for it. And uh, and as I've been putting that character together, I I've just I'm so like into the Dragon Blooded charms and what their power level is and all that that like seeing some of these Janus charms that are just off the charts, 
it makes me think like, gosh, is this power creep over solars? Because we did have that in previous editions, you know, where new exalt types would come out and they were so much cooler and so much more awesome than the solars. And then they had to go back and try to, you know, reformat the solars to make them better again. But I went back to read some solar charms and I was like, oh, actually the solars are, are, are really stinking powerful. Okay, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> as they so, should. As they should be. So, so Janice is actually, she's in a really good spot power level wise, I think, you know. But uh, but yeah, that charm that charm was one that actually caught my eye too. Any other ones, or was that the like kind of the biggest one that? Jumped I mean, out at again, you? there were just there were so many uh, that like I kind of skimmed most of them. That one was the main one that really stuck out to me because this idea of like just like zooming across huge distances and blowing things up that are in your way <laughs> is like no that's the game i want to play we will be playing that game it's, it's fun, everyone man. gets that's that fun. everyone must purchase that charm <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool you know i i thought as as reading you know reading the exigence part of the core book you know way back in the day seeing straw maiden janice seeing the, the chapter fiction and all that i mean i always thought she was cool but you know a little on like the side of like well i doubt i would ever play that you know but uh, I don't think there's any way anybody can say that now. Looking at Janice's charm set, I mean, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's. There's so many cool things here, and as I, as I look at some of these charms, I, I'm thinking of other characters that I've had that I wish had charms like this. Like, for example, uh, probably my favorite one in the whole. Now, oh well, let me, let me just say, I knew that there was pro- that I was probably going to have this reaction when they were doing the preview podcasts and stuff like that with, with Vance in there and Elliot and whatnot. And they brought up this idea that one of her charms is that she can grow into a giant woman like Paul Bunyan or whatever. (laughs) And, and I was like, wait, do what? You know, like, like that, that sounds amazing. Right. You know? And so I, I knew kind of right from that moment that like, I was probably going to be very pleasantly surprised by the Janice charm set. But there are some things in here that just I was unprepared for. That was like, holy crap, that's a good charm. And the number one that just stuck out to me is the one called Millstone Meteor Technique. And this one speaks to me because a former character of mine, uh, my, my, my Solar Dawncast uh, Gauss, one of his main, because he was a, his concept was bar brawling poet. And he owned a bar. And he very often got into bar fights and stuff like that. And so one of the things that I wanted him to be able to do is fight with improvised weapons. And so I put a lot of his sort of abilities and specialties and charms into things that could fight with improvised weapons, like a like a mug, you know, smash somebody over the head with a mug or grab a table and rip a leg off and hit somebody with the leg and then come around and hit him with the rest of the table, you know. And so this idea of like fighting with improvised weapons has always been something that's been that, that I really like. In fact, I think I created a Pathfinder character not too long ago that fought with improvised weapons. I love the idea. Janist with this uh, millstone meteor technique takes it to a completely different level. She can, with this charm, pick up something that requires a feat of strength to lift and wield it as an improvised weapon with no penalties. So I want you to think of something like, yeah, like a a horse-drawn carriage. She could pick it up, maybe pick the horses up by their necks, 
right? And swing the whole carriage as a weapon, like, or like pull a tree stump out of the ground and smash somebody over the head with a tree stump. And there's a later charm that lets you throw them. Right? So like, think of like yanking a tree stump out of the ground and then chucking it to like medium range and smashing into somebody with it. It this is this is the this is the improvised weapon fighting taken to like the ultimate level. Like I imagined like picking up a 72 foot like trailer, you know, like, like uh trailer trash Janice, you know, she's like picking up like, the, like a whole trailer, trailer it, like single Janice. wide. <laughs> she's like smashing it down on the exigent of the God of juiced weasels. It's just like, you know, and, and the, in the, in the <laughs> if, well, if you I mean, want to play tra- trailer trash, trash Janice, you go down this <laughs> charm tree. <laughs> Uh, yeah but i mean like you think it's and and the mathematics behind it are so like perfect too is that whatever the the feat of strength is required to lift that thing you get to add that many points in damage to the weapon because you're hitting somebody with something so large that of course it does more damage and how much more damage does it do the amount of dice that is the amount of points is required to lift the thing you know i mean it's it's genius. It's simplicity. It's efficiency. It's genius. It's a. It's like a beautiful. Uh, like I, I love this charm. It's it's my favorite thing. Uh, but there are also. I mean, there's some other good ones uh, that I saw in there. Uh, I love the way that whispers uh, from the fields works. Uh, that where where she can hear dematerialized spirits. I think this. I think I wrote it down. It was on page twenty-five. She can hear dematerialized spirits, but if she closes one eye, she can see them. But that gives her like a minus to any like kind of uh, visual-based perception rolls or whatever. But like, it's just it's such a cool charm. It's like, oh, I hear you, and I close this eye, cover this eye, or whatever, and now I can see you. And then she has other charms where she can actually hurt them and stuff like that. But I just I loved the elegance of just being able to like close one eye to see the dematerialized spirit that you can hear. I thought that was like very picturesque, very cool. And then there's one that I thought of I, Charles. I was thinking of me and you when, when I read this, because I know you uh, like myself are a huge fan of the Raymond E. Feist <gasps> books. And there is uh, there is a charm called earth turning upheaval where Janice can just stick her fingers into the ground and just like lift like a range band or two worth of like earth. She could just pick it up out of the ground and just like shake people off of it or slam it into something. And it reminded me of a scene and I can't remember from which one of the rift war books that it was from, but I think it was either pug. I think it was pug maybe that he casts a spell that just like lifts a whole battlefield mm-hmm. with like the soldiers and everything on it. And then he just like turns it upside down and slams it back yeah. down, juicing all those people. Juicing. Yeah. <laughs> And I had to put that in there, you know. I did, but, but yeah, I mean, like, do you remember that scene? Maybe it was Darkness of Seth, and I don't, I don't remember where I think it was. It at. was but anyway, darkness, like, but, yeah, I mean, it, that it's, it's definitely of the scale to have been in Darkness at Seth and on, but, uh, but yeah, like that that whole thing, just you know, like that's one of the, my favorite scenes in like all of fantasy fiction. You know, like you talk about power. In fact, when I very first read this is this is true. This is true. When I very first read the uh the third edition core book and they were talking about uh sorceress workings the first sort of example of a sorceress working that came to my mind and we may have even talked about it like back in the day in the first season of the deliberative or something i i i I, like vaguely remember mentioning this 
But uh, but my first example that I thought of was using a sorceress working to pick up a battlefield and flip it over and then smash yes. all the soldiers <laughs> down. And so like, I mean, it's my very first thought. And and then here, Janice has a freaking charm where she could just do that, you know, just reach into the ground and just yank it. I mean, this is this is power. I mean, this is it's my kind of power. I love this kind of just you know raw strength that you see that that straw man janice has or this charm set has i guess you could say and putting it all under athletics i think is is uh, which by the way i love what they've done with taking like you know they say as a way to just kind of simplify a charm set you know if it's going to be an ability-based exalt just you know pick like five abilities and tie all their charms under those five abilities you don't have to write you don't have to write charms for all 25 abilities just pick five and then take some of these things that ordinarily would be under other abilities, you know, like ordinarily would be under like, I guess, brawl or melee to be able to like pick up a tree trunk and smash somebody with it. But because you've chosen athletics as one of the, you know, the five tent poles of her charm set, you put that meteor, uh, uh, millstone meteor technique, you put that under athletics. It makes a lot of sense. It simplifies things, keeps it, you know, keeps it manageable. But anyway, I don't know if you could tell, but I, I love the Straw Maiden Janice Charm set. And no, I couldn't I, tell. <laughs> this is brand new information. <laughs> and I cannot I cannot wait to see the puppeteer. The puppeteer is the one that I have been most interested in out of all the ones that they are doing in this book. When they talked about the four on those early podcasts, you know, when they're starting to spill the beans on some of this, the puppeteer was the one that I was like, yes, yes, that one, that one. And they have actually since... Uh, released in uh, I think it was like update nine or whatever on the campaign they've released a few like a little a little um, teaser like a teaser yeah thank yeah. you Jim a little teaser if you will of of what's coming for the puppeteer have you guys looked at some of those yes I mean it's so cool I want to go first because I know Jim's gonna try to steal go. the thing I want to talk about Dude, go, Charles, that go. <laughs> that artifact puppet that is a giant dragon. Oh yeah! I rest my case, Your Honor. No, it's like <laughs> it's a it's just a giant puppet that turns into a red dragon, and you're like, oh, I'm yeah. Good to talk about good. Now. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I what I love is like the the big attack evocation that they have for that. What I imagined as I'm reading that is like. It's the big dragon firework that uh, Mary and Pippin. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, yeah. It's just they turned that into an attack instead of firing it into the air. They fired it at like you know Mr. Proudfoot or whatever. Proudfoot. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, what I, what an awesome artifact. I also really liked the, you know, the, again they broke down her charms into like defensive and offensive. But also lair charms where, you know, like the mm. spider in her web where she can create a lair as a basic yeah. craft project. You know how I feel about crafting. But uh, yeah, I was like, oh, that's just so cool that she's this creepy puppet lady who makes like layers filled with like strings Even like a... and like probably puppets just yeah. hanging up in the dark, half illuminated, like, yeah. ugh. And the next one in the in the charm tree was like she could turn a boat into her lair. 
Yeah. And and you know what it reminded me of? I, I was like instantly reminded of like the territory and dominion charms in the Lunar's book uh, because of the way they break those out. And then I, and I was like, yeah, this reminds me of so much of Lunar's. And then I looked and sure enough, she is an attribute based exalt. And the yeah. way that they're sort of like uh, organizing her abilities, even in that, that tiny little teaser, it, it is so reminiscent of the way the Lunar's book, which I, I think is genius, by the way, the, like the way they actually organized all those Lunar charms where it's like, this is under wits, but under wits, you have this whole section of animal kin charms. And then under, you know, uh, I can't even remember, maybe it was charisma or something like that. They've got all these territory charms, dominion charms that actually build out your dominion. And, and so uh, I, I, it was just interesting. Well, that I thought, it was like oh, this... strength, in, like in strength or something like that. You had offensive charms, defensive charms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes charms, sense. It makes where sense. Where they divide like, it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Each attribute has like four or five like sub subsections. And it was just it was just cool that I was like, my first thought was this reminds me of Lunars. And then I looked and sure enough, she was an attribute based. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. I wonder if they meant to do that. Like they meant to kind of have her have like a little bit of a lunar feel. But uh, anyway, anyway, I, well, yeah, those are some cool. The layer charms are really cool. But what what blew me away about the ones that they teased were how much she does, like, with her puppets. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, like, they went all in on the puppet idea. <laughs> like, yeah. they were, like, double down on puppets. Like, what? Like, it's puppets, puppets, puppets. <laughs> like, it's like, how do you pick a lock? Well, I use my puppet's little fingers to, like, reach into the lock and, and pick it. Like, how do you attack people? Well, I swing my puppet at them that's attacked. I, mean, I was like, dang, this is, like, full-on puppet. I really was surprised and, and- <laughs> at the variety of this because hearing like oh it's a puppet master i was like all right that's gonna be pretty limiting nope we just are not creative i think you were right (laughs) on the last show Corey. uh she probably could put on a pretty dang cool puppet show yes she can yes she can uh oh master of puppets are pulling your strings so what I what I liked about this uh, <laughs> what I liked about this little teaser is, and I'm not just saying this because it's kind of like an attractive woman, but it was easy on the eyes. Like she's the best, lo- <laughs> it, yeah, she's the best looking one so far, for sure. No, and yeah. what I mean by that is like you have artwork, and then you have like you know everything's like lined up, organized, bold in the right place. Like it, it almost. The preview that we get on the Indiegogo is, is, is almost what it look, it's like what it's going to yeah. look like on a page instead yeah. of just like walls of text. So yeah. it was it was it made reading it a lot easier. Which I know yeah. I know it's just in uh, the preview it's manuscript yeah. form, but yeah. to, to to see this, it's yeah. great. It, it almost yeah, get a little of, bit of formatting. Yeah, it reminds cool. me of when we got the hundred, uh, not the hundred, the adversaries of the righteous and the hundred devil night parade yeah. uh, teasers, the preview things. Yeah, yeah, they they look like what they essentially they would look like on the page, like yeah. when you when you're looking at the finished product. So yeah. to have this it's teaser with like the artwork and you scroll down, there's a couple of charms and then there's another piece of artwork, and yeah. it's really cool. And I, I like the idea that they gave that. She really doesn't care much for for her her patron god or whatever, like the mm-hmm. god that gave her her spark or mm-hmm. you know her power. She's like, I'm just going. I, I want to be powerful. And I'm going to do what I want with this with this power that was given right. to me. So I kind of like 
that feel that was given to it. Whereas you didn't get that from Janice because that God was, you know, destroyed during the process of her. So she really has no, no, um, you know, no connection with the thing that created her. Whereas this one does. And it's like, eh, you know, it's kind of different. Yeah. I don't really care too much, but, uh, that also, um, during the character creation process, if your God survives, you could take your God as an ally or a mentor for, by spending some merit points, you know, you could take a three dot or five dot mentor, mentor ally kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I like that, but to see one that just is really indifferent about the God that created her, that's, that makes for interesting stuff too. It does. But you, you bring up a very interesting point that I think would be, you know, we, we, we kind of took some bets or we, you know, placed our bets or whatever on uh, what the, the color of the Exigence book was going to be. And then we were all surprised it was gray. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they didn't go with my, my yellow, my banana yellow. I guess the next thing we need to think about, you know, you talk about the puppeteer, Pac Pow, being easy on the eyes. Which one of these characters do you think is going to be featured on the cover of the print on demand? Janice. And and I think about that because I think Pac Pow like is really sort of set up to be the one that would be good. Like she's got some gold uh, in like her shawl or whatever. Um I think she would be a good one for the cover. You could have like a puppet, her like dangling a puppet, and it would be very cool. I mean, of course, Strawman Janice is is definitely like the most iconic because she was in the core and everything else. But she's like she's, the alpha. She was like the first. Well, she's we also just about. green. There's so much green in her outfit, and the cover's going to be gray. And I just think of that as being like, you know, it won't really flow with the rest of the cover as much if there's just so much green there. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't mind seeing the puppeteer on the cover, but we haven't seen the other ones yet. So that's true. <laughs> there could be like an architect on the cover that's much more gray that just kind of fits in with the background and whatnot. Look, I'll call uh, it now. It's going to be Janice on the front. Yeah, I, I'm you know I'm okay with Janice as long as they pick somebody that can that can paint her attractively. I mean because I have a I have a weak spot for for, for redheads, you know, green eyes, uh, freckled shoulders. I mean if you make that right, that could be the best cover ever. It's you know? a good thing your wife doesn't listen to this show because <laughs> she doesn't listen this far in each one anyway. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean you don't ugly her up, guys. Don't ugly her up. Come on. Come on, <laughs> like like Kingfisher Swift on the cover of the Dragon Blood. Like like I said, that that cover's growing on me. But there, there's like pictures of Kingfisher Swift on the inside of the book where she's gorgeous, and then like on the cover she's like kind of hmm, dumpy. So anyway, I don't know. Do do good with with Strawman Janice if you put her on the cover. But uh, anyhow, yeah. So so there we go. Well, fun stuff, fun stuff. And, and what we'll try to do is we'll come back in a couple weeks here to talk about uh, what. We should have most, if not all, of the rest of the of the manuscript. Then, I uh, really can't wait to dive into uh, the puppeteer. And who's who's next after the puppeteer? Do we know? Is it the architects or is it the sovereigns? I honestly, no, I, I don't know. I can't remember. It would go by the chapter architects breakdown the in the, the preview. Circles. That's chapter seven. Yeah. So okay. So architects would be next so over the next couple of weeks chosen of cities sorry if they do the puppeteer this tuesday like they're supposed to and then they do the architects the following tuesday then those might be the only two that we have two weeks from now but that'll still be good we'll talk about the puppeteer and we'll talk about the architects so that's that's kind of our plan we're going to try to come back in the middle of the 
middle of the campaign do a little bit more look into it but uh, what do you guys think out there how is your experience with the exigence campaign gone how what what have you what what level have you backed it at what do you think of uh, the charm set for janice or the others that maybe are out before now in our next episode if you want to let us know send us an email uh, the deliberative podcast at gmail.com don't wait just go do it right now uh, get your voice on our show in fact if you want to do a recording of your voice so that you can call into the show we would love to have that and we'd love to talk with you about what you are thinking through all of this so that would be great to have some of those for the next episode so you guys get us some messages uh all right well i guess that'll just about wrap it up then for this episode and we will see you when we get to talk about puppeteers (laughs) and architects so now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best goodbye everybody bye see ya